gaze at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Time to talk about 49ers offensive line again because it's time to talk about that swing tackle. And you can see Alex swinging back and forth over there. It's going to be an interesting conversation. The 49ers have a lot of options. But how many of these options actually make sense? That's what we're going to get into. Uh, look, you could name a lot of guys who could be swing tackles for the 49ers because in a shocking turn of events, Ant, they have a lot of guys who used to play tackle. Yeah. Who play other positions but also still could play tackle. So there's there's actual <laughs> names you could throw out there, and you wouldn't be wrong, but the reality is is that there's only a probably, really, a handful of guys, a few guys, who could truly be the swing tackle for the front ends that are in the conversation for it. So we're going to get to that, but before we do, let us know who you think it could be right down in the comment section, and then like and subscribe. Uh, swing on over and hit that notification bell as well. That way you get notified for all the other videos. If you see what I did there, it's a theme because we're swinging around for the tackles, and... Who who's the first name on this offensive line that comes to mind as a swing tackle for the 49ers? I think the guys that make the most sense right away that you would sort of think of as Colton McKivitz, who sort of took over that role a little bit at the end of the year. You saw them go with him instead of uh, Jalen Moore to back up Trent Williams. So he would be somebody that's in the conversation. And of course, Justin Skule, who most people believed would be the leader in the clubhouse coming into 2021. Of course, he suffers the knee injury. He's out for the year and that whole thing changes. But they've added some extra people to this mix as well. You got Spencer Burford, who in a shocking development was a tackle in college. They have Zink, <laughs> Nick Sakel in a shocking development was a tackle in college. Oh, it, there's a consistent theme with the 49ers. They have a lot of options. That's what you were alluding to. So who plays the swing tackle role is going to kind of deter be determined by who plays on the interior. Because if Jalen Moore plays guard, then Daniel Brunskill could potentially be the swing tackle. And if, if that was to happen, he's the outright best swing tackle the 49ers have. Daniel Brunskill <clears throat> would be at a different level than the other guys. I think that if Brunskill is playing that position, then you got to put Jalen Moore in the mix to be a swing tackle. So I think there's a lot of options for the 49ers. I think the ones that make the most sense for the Niners are Burford, of course, who's a rookie. I don't know if you really want a rookie to do that, but then Skule, uh, Colton McKivitz, and then uh, Jalen Moore. So those are the four options I think that I've narrowed it down to. Hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll get it down to like one or two. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, who knows? Who freaking knows? Because the reality is they have way too many guys who've played way too many positions on the offensive line and that they want playing way too many positions on the O-line. They want this. I don't know how else to explain it. The reality is, is Daniel Brunskill is the best swing tackle option on this football team, but he's your starting right guard. And unless someone can beat him out there, he's not your swing tackle. So what do you do? Do you go with the veteran experience in Colton McKivitz and Justin Skill? Do you take a chance with one of these young guys that you've drafted, drafted in Spencer Burford or you know, potentially even Jalen Moore? Because I think those are the realistic options. I think you and I both believe Nick Sakelich is an interior option that they're grooming and developing to be a guy who takes over here in the future. So those seem like the four most reasonable options. Now, we could we could go with what we've seen in the past, right? What we've seen in the past from the 49ers and is stability. They like stability. They love themselves some veteran guys on the offensive line. They don't typically roll with the youngins unless they absolutely have to. 
which would make me believe that Jalen Moore would have the heads up. But the Niners did something in this draft that I didn't expect. They took Spencer Burford pretty early in this draft. Yeah. Much earlier than I expected them to even think about or address O-line. Maybe they believe this guy could be the answer. That this guy could be the solution right now to be able to play both sides of the ball, both sides of the football, left and right tackle, effectively. Yeah, you know what? I don't know how Chris Forrester is going to approach this because John Benton, definitely the old offensive line coach, definitely had a very defined role for who was going to be the swing tackle. You saw it from year to year, and that's why they had a Justin Skule or a Daniel Brunskill. Uh, he was he made a lot of sense with what he chose. Now, one thing Forrester kind of did last year was go with a left and a right system, right? True. Jalen Moore, he didn't really want him to play on, on the right side. He didn't feel that he was comfortable, so they went with Compton. Compton was the right guy. Could they go again with a situation where they go left and right and maybe keeping nine offensive linemen affords them to do that with every single position? Could they go Spencer Burford at right tackle? They could go Colton McKivitz at left tackle, which they did last year. And then on the interior, you have Jalen Moore at the right guard spot behind Daniel Brunskill, Nick Zakel at the left guard spot where he's been taking snaps, but he could also do some things with the center position as well. I think that's what they could do is go more of a left or right system, especially if they feel confident in both guys. So there might actually be a situation where it's not a swing tackle per se, but a backup tackle at each position. Would that make more sense to have Spencer Burford and Colton McKivitz as your two tackles instead of just having one of those guys go back and forth? I think it's in a perfect world. Yes, yeah. 100%. Because then you don't have guys who have to play both spots, work on technique and form both spots. They only have to worry about assignments on one side when you're game planning and things of that nature. Yeah, That'd be great in a perfect world. Do we live in that perfect world, Ant? Because we have a lot of talent and a lot of positions. And keeping an O-lineman, an extra one on this roster, on this 53-man, means somewhere else gets weaker. Yeah. Is that the best thing for San Francisco? I don't know. Well, it depends on what gets weaker. If Correct. you're only keeping five wide receivers, you can keep and nine offensive yes, linemen. Agreed. Uh, that's with us still keeping 11 defensive linemen, True. which is a tremendous amount of defensive linemen. The only way you would have problems keeping a ninth offensive lineman is if you didn't, if you wanted to keep a 12th defensive lineman. And if you did that, uh, then you're going to have to walk away from one of these guys. And if you had to walk away, you would have to rely on a young player. I don't know if Spencer Burford's going to be ready to roll right away as a tackle option this year. Uh, there could also be questions about Mike McGlinchey. I think he's going to be healthy, but I know a lot of people are bringing up, you know, McGlinchey may not be healthy. And in that case, you might have to keep a Colton uh, McKivitz or a Justin Skull on the team just so they can go out there and get those reps because a young guy might not be prepared and ready to go yet. But I think it's an interesting conversation. I think if I had to pick somebody as a leader in the clubhouse, I would go with Colton McKivitz. Even though he was released last year and they brought him back, he's a guy that can play a multitude of positions, but we've seen him do it. I mean, he had a pretty good performance against Von Miller. You know, I mean, it's it's not easy to go out there in those big-time games, Week 18, everything on the line. And, and, and you've played no snaps no all season? No snaps, and you got to go out there and play left tackle against, you know, a Hall of Famer. That's not an easy task. With, with another Hall of Famer lined up next to him? Yeah, it, it was it was tough. You know, I mean, it was really tough on Colton McKivitz, and I thought he held in the best he could. He gave up two sacks. And one of them could have been absolutely costly. It could have finished the game off. Good. It didn't, however. Uh, he went in there and competed. So I think he would be the leader in the clubhouse. But I do want to hold back full uh, disclosure on like who it's going to be until I see Spencer Burford in person. I really want to see him out at practice, see what he can do. Well, I think he answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, if he if he looks like the real deal, then McKivitz and Skule both become expendable. 
You don't need to keep them. You both. You don't need to keep them both around because you can keep Burford on one side and you can have more who plays the other side as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you can do a lot of different things with that. Uh, Burford is going to answer and solve a lot of problems for this 49ers offensive line, especially if he's ready. He's ready to take on that kind of role. I'm not talking about a starting role. I'm talking about a backup role in terms of being able to get prepared, develop, you know, work on his game and improve. Right. If they feel he's close, uh, close to being starting ready, he's a year away, then this makes it a whole heck of a lot harder on a guy like Skewell and a guy like McKivitz. Uh, I think the reality is I think the Niners ideally would like to be able to stash Skewell this year on the practice squad. Of all the guys they currently have, they would like yeah. to be able to sneak him down, especially coming off the injury he's coming off of. Um, they know he's probably about a year away from being the best version of himself. So if you can find a way to get him down to the practice squad, it's even better for your team because you got a guy down there who you know what he's capable of, and he's a year closer to being at full 100%. And then you get an even better look at your offensive line in the 2023 campaign. Yeah, I mean, you might be trying to decide, right, who's the easiest one to sneak to your practice squad when you're making the final cuts. True. I think that going with a Justin School, if you release him, the, the reality is I don't know if he can make it to the practice squad, only because if you look at Seattle's roster, uh, their offensive line is absolute no, hot garbage. No, it's not. Yeah. they. I, I was watching someone saying the Seahawks are not as bad as everyone says they uh, are. They're that bad. Their offensive line needs a lot of work. They just got a lot worse, too, because they didn't even get Baker Mayfield. I don't know how much that would have helped them, but it would have been better than the situation they have now. It, it would have been better, and and that's a that's a problem for them, you know, and they're wanting to return to the run game, so Justin Skill might be enticing to them, but I think True. a Colton McKivitz would be enticing to them. We know for sure a Nick Zakel or, or Spencer Burfer would be enticing to them. The Forders have a tough decision to make here. Uh, somebody's going to be the one that's on the way out and it could be the loser of this, you know, position battle because it could be a veteran right now. It could be a guy that has to play both sides of the ball. If Burford, Zakel aren't going to be ready to go as well as them transitioning potentially to the inside, because I do think they're going to be looking at them there. Um, so we'll see what happens when we get into camp and who's going to be the guy. We saw Tom Compton come out of nowhere last year. True. Maybe somebody comes out of nowhere this year. Maybe one of these other guys plays up to snuff. Maybe Colton McKivitz is a lot better than what we've seen. Maybe Justin School is back. Uh, we're we're going to find out. I think this is going to be one of those interesting ones to watch because I don't think the backup tackle spot uh, is comfort, you know, comforting to anyone's mind. I mean, Mike McGlinchey, you got him there. A lot of people aren't really fans of him. But then after that, there's just a lot of questions. We'll see. I think uh, Colton McKivitz is a solid player. Um, but he's got to get better if he's going to be able to hold on to this swing tackle role. Uh, he's got to. He's got to improve. And look, they, they're going to have ample opportunity. They're going to have plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities. Uh, but because there's so many potential guys, Ant, it means limited amounts of time. So you have to seize and take advantage of your moments in training camp. You may not get a bunch of snaps. You may not yeah. get a bunch of looks and opportunities because you're sharing it with a lot of names. Uh, and this coaching staff is trying to put together the best eight or nine guys that they possibly can, which means you're not going to get extended runs and extended looks. And with the preseason being one game shorter, uh, one less game as well to prove it and, and demonstrate and show that, hey, you got the stuff. You need to be one of one of the 53. Um, th this is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a battle. And I'm all for it, Ant. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that they've thrown so many guys into the mix. You know, somebody's going to come away with this job, sure. and I think it's going to be a really good football player. And I like the way that they've continued to draft players later in the rounds. Now, Spencer Burford might, is one of the earliest draft picks that's going to be a part of this. Um, but they've got guys, you know, that are fourth, fifth, sixth round that are going to be com competing for this job. And I, I think when it comes down to it, that's a good way to spend uh, your late round draft capital on guys who can develop into a good players. And so far, Chris Forster's done a good job of developing them. Uh, we've seen players that even that they've brought in that were undrafted, like Daniel Brunskill, that have been able to step in and give the 49ers significant snaps. We'll see if that trend continues. There's going to be some questions right now with the center position. Uh, so we need the tackle position, especially the swing tackle position, answered early. And hopefully the 49ers have somebody that just steps in and solidifies that position. Agreed. Ant is leaning towards Colton McKivitz. And you know what, Ant? 
much like you and Trent Williams, I'm going to go in the Col Colton McKivitt's camp because Trent Williams has even come out and said that he believed that he shouldn't have played in that NFC Championship game. He wasn't 100% healthy and that the team would have been better off had Colton McKivitt's played at some pretty high praise coming from someone like Trent Williams who feels like Colton McKivitt's at that point with how his health was, was a better option for San Francisco than him. Now, he's also semi-tooting his own horn. He's not just doing, but he's not doing it per se in like the, I am so great that even at 50%, most of them I'm better than everybody else, except for Colton McKivitt's. It's more praise to Colton than it is anything else that he believes that he was a, a good option and just as good as what Trent was given his health state. Um, I think that speaks volumes as well about not only maybe the coaching staff, but how the room feels about Colton McKivitt's also. Yeah, I'm curious how quick Spencer Burford is going to be able to step up. Uh, I think if the, if Spencer Burford is able to play at a high level, then Colton McKivitt's could get relegated to like a left tackle spot behind True. Trent Williams. Uh, but if not, I think he would be asked to man both positions. I think the same would be asked of Skewell because you want Burford and Zakel to be able to develop. And those guys, you need them on this roster. You can't possibly cut them and risk them not being a part of this team because I think those two guys are just absolutely nasty in the run game. And you're going to want them in the future. So I'm excited about their potential. But it all hinges on the fact that Colton McKivitz hopefully can live up to the expectations they had where they believed at one point he could have been the starting left tackle for their football team. They wouldn't have been able to trade for Trent Williams. Live up to the expectations, Colton, so that we have a very solid offensive line, and, and maybe he will. Hey, I would absolutely love it, and it would make the team that much better and that much deeper. But let us know what you think down below right now, Cutback Crew. Who do you believe the swing tackle is going to be? Is it is it McKivitz? Is it Skewell? Is it Burford? Is it someone like Jalen Moore? Is it someone else entirely? Nick Sakelge is actually the guy you're going with. Or maybe you're the Mr. Corey camp that it's Daniel freaking Brunskill. Maybe it's Mike McGlinchey if Daniel Brunskill takes over as the right tackle. It's <laughs> actually Schluter. That's who it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Mr. Schluter. Sam oh, Schluter. Always forget about Sam Schluter. We want to hear from you, <laughs> Cutback Crew. Make sure you're commenting down below. And while you're doing that, don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell because we're almost a 3K, Ant. Almost. We're close. Yeah, we're, we're getting close to 3K, so we'd appreciate, you know, a subscription. If you've been watching and you appreciate what we do, or uh, we, we would really appreciate you going ahead and hitting that subscribe button. You could always take it back if you end up not liking us, but uh, hopefully you wouldn't because it's fun to talk about 49ers and it's fun to talk about it from a coach's perspective in a positive manner. Uh, why not? You know, I mean, you want the people that were sitting there when, when the playoffs were out of reach, it seemed, and we're sitting there saying, whoa, 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 we're not off the cliff yet. Just sure. hang in there. And... We ended up being right. Thank you to the 49ers for helping us be right. It's true. But just hold on. Uh, just hold on. We're going, <laughs> we're not really going home. We're getting, we're going to a training camp and the start of football season, which for some of you may feel like home, uh, but we're almost there. Uh, so yeah, a little bit more of an optimistic spin here. Not a positive spin on the 49ers, an optimistic spin. Yeah. When they're actually out of it, We'll, we'll tell you, just yeah. like we did in 2020 when things were grim. And it was like, look, the reality is this team's not going anywhere right now. It's not healthy. Can't do it. 2021 we did the same exact thing things aren't great but they're not done and they weren't done yet man ant made it all the way to the nfc championship game and now we're going to see if they can duplicate that performance we're looking forward to talking more position battles more conversations more topics more news more intel maybe some jimmy garoppolo news coming soon mm. hopefully we will see but until the next one cutback crew and the faithful stay safe remember the right way is, is always the 49ers, 49ers way